Hello, this is the I Bounce Back podcast and your host, Indre. If you listen to us for the very first time, let me quickly tell you that I Bounce Back is a bi-weekly podcast every time we bring you new guests who tell us their story and their bounce back. So, for instance, in previous episodes, we talked about lessons learned in prison or a decision to break free from the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community and embrace a totally new lifestyle. All these stories are meant to give you some new ideas for personal growth and just to simply inspire you. And today's episode, I promise, it is gonna inspire you run seven marathons on seven continents on seven consecutive days dressed as a cow. I mean, I've like done loads of stuff like that. I don't, I don't really count them. I, I only count the value that they've had in, in positivity for the, for the animals. This is episode four and our guest, Fiona Oaks. She's a long distance runner, a multiple world record holder. And listen, she ran and won the Antarctic Ice Marathon and the North Pole Marathon. And she is doing all this despite her disability. She lost a kneecap when she was 17 years old and doctors told her she would never run again. This is so impressive. I have been struggling with a kneecap injury for almost a year and I had to stop running completely. So I don't know how she's doing it. I simply cannot understand. Even today, doctors write to me and say they simply cannot believe that I can do what I do with the medical condition that I've got, with, with the disability that I've got. But, you know, um, I, I say I never consider myself to be an athlete. I never consider myself to be a runner. I'm just an animal advocate who is doing my advocacy through running. And I think that that gives me the extra edge, the reason to be out there. I'm not out there for trophies and times and medals. I'm out there for the animals. And because my passion is transferred to my running, I think it gives me an extra little bit of desire to do well for them. When I called Fiona for this interview, she was working in her animal sanctuary, which she founded more than 20 years ago. Today, she has around 600 rescued animals. So don't get surprised if in the middle of our conversation, you will hear a cow or a horse. Her love for animals has led her to start marathon running, which was one of the greatest ways to get attention and to talk about the things that mattered to her. But also as a teenager, Fiona just could not accept the fact that she would walk on crutches for the rest of her life. She chose to stay active. I was just desperate to fix the problem. I just wanted to stop being off crutches, stop having to go into hospital and having my leg in plaster. I think as like a 17 year old, I probably didn't fully understand what that impact meant for the future. I just wanted the present to be better than it was. And so obviously I had to gather myself together and I, I took to cycling actually at the time because I could cycle because it was low impact. But I'd always been very sporty. I'd always been quite athletic. So it was a tough thing, but I'd gone through so much. I mean, I, you know, I'd been in, in and out of hospitals. Um, my mother was accused of child abuse because um, 
I was vegan and it just wasn't understood at the time. Veganism was aligned to an eating disorder because people just didn't understand it. And uh, it was a really, really tough time that I just wanted to escape from. I just wanted to stop being in pain. I wanted to be able to to get around and be some sort of normal person that wasn't walking around on crutches all the time. Um, I think it's kind of grown with me and it's impacted on me um, later in life. And um, as I say, I, it, it, I didn't really fully comprehend it all at the time, to be truthful. Um, I just I just wanted it to stop. Well, what's interesting to me is that, you know, I was a, or sort of, I am a runner and I, I have dislocated my kneecap and I know how hard it is to even walk, not even mentioning running, but you have started running despite the pain and uh, not just for fun, you started running professionally. So how did it all happen? Yeah, no, I mean, what happened was in 1996, we got the sanctuary, Tower Hill Stables, and I started to rescue animals. But after a couple of three years, I kind of realized this is not enough. This is not ending the reason that these animals are needing rescue. I want to promote veganism. And I didn't know how to do it. And for younger people, they don't know a time pre-social media. The only way of getting a message out there was via mainstream media. And that was to either do something good or something bad or something very interesting. So... At the time, I knew I'd been sporty in the past. I knew I'd done quite well with cycling. But the only real interest in women's sport, especially in the UK, was running because Paula Radcliffe had just broken the world record in the marathon. So if you like, all the kind of um, hashtags were there for marathon running. People were saying how tough an event it was. It was this really ultra tough discipline that, you know, women had only been allowed to compete in marathons a couple of decades beforehand. And at that time, um, it wasn't long since the first marathon was included in the Olympic Games for women. That was only in 1984. So I kind of thought to myself, if I could just complete a marathon, you know, compete in one and complete one, it shows that you can do anything on a vegan diet. And that was really what I set about doing, just getting round a marathon. That was that was all I, my aspirations were with regard running. Um it kind of grew from there. I thought, you know, now I've completed one. What would it take to get to the next level and really be competitive in running? And it is tough for me. I mean, I'm not going to lie that in a road race, especially when it's just continual motion, you don't want to stop. You don't want it. You want, when you set off, you want to maintain that pace of 26.2 miles. Around about 18, 19, 20 miles, money really, really starts to kick in and hurt. It's just tough. I mean, the whole training regime has been tough. I've run, always run about 100 miles a week, three speed sessions, um, recovery runs, hill sessions, midweek longer runs, um, a really long run on Sunday. And it's just been grit and determination. Um, I can run through the pain because I know what's causing it. So I do know that if I stop running, the pain will probably stop. Um, but yeah, it's it's really, really hard. And um, it's been hard the way I've had to do it because um, I couldn't get a coach to help me because they said that I won't be able to achieve what I want to achieve on a vegan diet. So it's pretty much a solo effort. I've never had any training partners. My knee is actually so bad that I can only do speed work on a treadmill because I can't run the bends of a track. I've tried and I just can't cope with it. 
So it's been a real learning curve. And my, my running's pretty much unique to me. My training is pretty much unique to me. What I've had to adapt to be able to reach the level I wanted to reach um, with this disability. You know, I've just had to learn to deal with it and put it to the back of my mind. And especially when I'm on the start lines of like, you know, the elite starts are like Berlin Marathon, London. Um, you don't want to be going to the start line of these races knowing you've got an injury. And I've never gone to these start lines knowing that I haven't got an injury. I'm always very well aware that I'm injured and I'm going to be putting myself through a heck of a lot to get where I need to be. Um, but I've done it. I mean, I don't, looking back, I suppose now I, on reflection, I think, you know, crikey, you know, it, there's been some major results. I've run 238 in a marathon. I've, I've got two, tw um, two top 20 places in world major marathons, Berlin and London. Um, but I've done it for the animals. I've, done, I've never done it with a formal plan in mind. I've just done what I could to promote veganism in the best way I possibly can. There are many people who are still convinced that you need to eat meat in order to be able to train and be strong. And they would probably would never comprehend that you can endure these big physical challenges and stay on a plant-based diet. What would you tell these people? I suppose, really, it's not what I'd tell them. It's what I'd kind of show them. I've done it. I've done it and I continue to do it. And I think that's the main thing with, with my running. I, I've never made any claims about vegan in, in terms of, you know, like spiked performances and I'm better because I'm vegan. All I've been out there to show, it's not prohibitive. If you want to do this, you can do it. And I'm kind of the living proof. So, you know, I, I don't work to, you know, statistics. I can only show what I've done and how I've done it. And um, I, I guess looking back in reflection, the results I've had, considering that I'm not a talented runner, and in, in, indeed I always say I have little ability for running, especially long distances, because I'm quite compact and muscular, and I, I actually have a disability. This is what a vegan diet has allowed me to do. It certainly has not prohibited me in any way. And if I can do it, anyone can certainly do it. And that's what I've built up the back catalogue of results to prove. And when I transitioned from road running into the more ultra running and the extreme running, I didn't know I'd be able to run on the ice of the Arctic at the North Pole. Um, my knee does dislocate very easily. I, I do dislocate my, my right knee very, very easily. Um, but it shows great versatility that, you know, I've, I'm, you know I was selected to run for England um, in two races this year, which sadly have been cancelled. And they were at short distance road races. Yet I've also won ultra stage races as well. So I've got I've got the whole versatility. I've run, you know, at the North Pole, Antarctica. I've won races everywhere. Um, the heat of the desert, anything you like, I've done it on a vegan diet. So it's kind of the only way I could prove the point definitively. Well, all these marathons and ultra marathons that you did in the North Pole, in Antarctica, in the Sahara Desert, what kind of preparation did you have? Because I imagine to run in these very, very harsh conditions, you needed to prepare something extra. To be quite honest with you, to be very, very truthful with you, when I've gone to these races, I've never actually had any specific preparation in terms of the fact that I really am so busy at the sanctuary every day. I get up half past three in the morning 
and I have to work really, really hard here. We've got 600 animals. So the only preparation I have had, whether it be running at minus 40 or plus 50 degrees, is to be as fit and prepared physically I can make myself here. I've never had any altitude, any heat chambers, any cold chambers. And when I've gone to these races, I'm listening to what people have done in preparation. And I'm thinking, gosh, I've done nothing. I've literally just trained as hard as I can to be as fit as I can and come here. And then when you can go and beat everybody, men and women included, it's like just a testament to my physical well-being, my general physical well-being, which I believe is born out of a whole food plant-based diet. It's not a fancy diet. I don't, I'm on no medications. I take no supplements. Um, I've never had a running injury. I've had injuries which have caused me problems when I've been running. I know in 2012, when I did Marathon de Sable, I broke two toes the week before the race and I went out and had to do the the toughest foot race on the planet with the added toughness of having two fractured toes and and by the long stage which was I think it was about 100 k that year you could actually see the bone sticking out of my my little toe on my right foot the broken toe but I've never actually done any specific formal training other than being as fit as I possibly can and one thing that I will say looking on reflection is I do recover enormously quickly I can still run two training sessions I can still run three times a day but I don't do anything specific or fancy I don't even have a Garmin or a Strava everything is done from calculations in my own head Um, I am very very basic and some people actually laugh about how basic I am I probably don't actually think about things too much which means that I don't stress about things an awful lot I just get on and do it and um, probably that's been an added advantage for me um, that I just literally deal with each problem as it comes along so if it's going to be minus 40 it's not too difficult to run in minus 40 degrees the thing you want to do is set off warm up and make sure you're running at a pace that you know you can keep going for 26.2 miles because the one thing that you don't want to do when running in those conditions is slow down because if you slow down you'll get hypothermia it's you know it's really gonna if you slow down in a normal marathon you're just gonna record a slower time in extreme conditions it's going to impact that much more so you want to be able to maintain your pace and meet your effort and that is something that I am actually really really good at I am very very good at pace judge without needing a computer or a calculator I know what I'm capable of because I've actually been there so many times before kind I know exactly what my body will do and what it won't do and I'm very very good at getting 100 percent out of myself but not trying to push for too much which is actually detrimental to a performance so um but yeah I've never I've never actually you know done anything specific for any of the races other than present on the day as fit as I possibly can be. But I would say that marathons and especially ultra marathons, they are of course physically demanding, but they are a really, really tough mental game. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially the ultra marathons. I think the longer the distance, the more your mind plays a bigger part than your talent physically um certainly for the road races that i've run and i've run you know i've got a pb of 238 what has been hard to do 
is the the amount of training to get to that time. So if you understand me, you know, week in, week out, you, you're going to have to really, really push, really, really work hard. And the goal seems so far in the distance that you've got to be 100 um, percent have faith that every session counts. And so what you put yourself through today will impact in 16 weeks time. And it's that's very, very tough. That has been very, very tough to train like six days a week, you know, twice a day three times um in that it's it's really really hard um but yeah mentally you've got to be very very tough as well especially in the ultra stage races because you've just got to um know how to judge your pace and have faith in your own body and have faith in your own training um that when you stand on the start line you can deliver what you've the effort you've put in over the weeks that you've been training for each event but yeah i mean it, it is a it's, it's a mind game you know and when you're out there I think people say oh but Fiona you're really quick or everyone's suffering no matter who you are and how good you are in terms of speed and pace everybody's suffering out there to get the best out of themselves there's no doubt about it so you know if you're a seven hour marathon runner it's still very tough you're going to you're going to be on your feet a long time and you're going to be pushing very hard you know and if you're a two hour 30 marathon running equally it's all very 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 hard and you're going to go to some dark places it's just knowing how to get out of those dark places yeah, that... exactly because sometimes you get these thoughts maybe you should you know give up and stop and not run anymore and uh, just quit the marathon how do you push yourself um for me i i do train a lot i do a lot of training and i do for marathons i over distance train so i'll probably do two or three Sunday runs that are 28 miles and it's all about putting your body in that place in training and pushing through in training so that when you get to race day you can kind of pull yourself together and say look Fiona you've been here before you know this happens you know you feel bad you know this hurts and you know that if you keep going counting backwards or even take yourself away mentally from the marathon that you're running and put yourself on a little loop that you do at home and think you know Come, don't think of it in terms of another five miles to run. Think of it in terms of, you know, from here to the church or something, you know, and I'm telling myself all the time, but you know you can run that loop. You know you can do that. That's not far. You know, and it's all about mental kidology and, and you know, setting yourself little goals. Don't think, oh, it's a really, really long way. Break it down into stages and think, you know, I can get through this and then I can get through the next part. And for me, one of the tricks I do is I try to remember all the horses' names and we've got 106 horses. So I'm going through thinking, oh, you know, I did that with a guy in Antarctica. He was really, really struggling in the 100K race down there and I was helping him through it. And I kept saying, look, Mike, Remember, you've got to think of all the horses' names. And if you if you mess up, we've got to go back to the beginning. And, you know, it kind of got him through. Um, so, you know, just anything that you can do to cling to, to kind of just while away the time without sort of, you know, thinking I'm not going to pack up. I've never so far packed up in any race. Um, I've never packed up. But then I've never packed up in training. I will always do what I've set out to do. And that's probably why I dread my training a lot, because I kid myself like everyone else and think, oh, you know, I won't train today or I'll just do a short run. But when I actually get out there, I never allow myself any anything. I, I literally, if I've said I'll do it or I've said, you know, I've got to do that pace or I've got to do 10, 800 metres at this pace, I will always do it um, because that's 
that's the kind of person I am. It's and it's just it's a skill I've learned. It's not it's not something that I was born with. To this day, do you know how many marathons you have on your list, or have you already lost the number? Yeah, I've, I know I've run over a hundred, but I don't really count them. I don't really. I don't run for that reason. I know I've run an awful lot. I mean, I've done all sorts of things. I've run seven marathons on seven continents on seven consecutive days dressed as a cow. I mean, I've like done loads of stuff like that. So I've run well over a hundred, but I don't. I don't really count them. I, I only count the value that they've had in in positivity for the for the animals. So if you know when I broke the world record, you know, um, I simply wanted to get a world record. For as a vegan and say that this vegan woman has not only you know run a marathon or completed one it went on from then and she's like the fastest woman to run a marathon on every continent and win a marathon on every continent it's just been my kind of silent protest I knew that I couldn't command an audience that I could actually speak to physically at the time but by having that written across my chest I could do it kind of um visually it was just that vegan That is a vegan runner. She's in the elite enclosure. She's on the front start line. That means veganism must be good. That, that was the simple equation. Yeah. Write a review and then you can share it. With the world. In any social media platform. And then your friends see it and you can share and discover new shows together. This is Steph, instigator of Pod Rev Day, podcast review day. And I'm Andy from Inspired Money. And I'm Arielle of Earbuds Podcast Collective and CastBox. We're here to tell you everything you need to know about Pod Rev Day. Which is on the 8th of every month, of every year, of every century, of every... You get it. We are posting podcast reviews as part of hashtag Pod Rev Day Podcast Review Day. Because podcasters work their butts off and deserve to know how much they've impacted your lives. And you can do that through reviews. Even one star feels surprisingly <laughs> good. Does it? It lets you know that people are at least listening. Don't be a passive podcast listener. Write a review and tell your favorite creator what you love about their podcast or about a specific episode. And to participate, you just need to do one review. And we'll see you every eighth of the month. Pod Rev Day. Because podcasters deserve to hear it. Hashtag Pod Rev Day. P-O-D-R-E-V-D-A-Y. Today, I bounce back guest is Fiona Oaks, a passionate activist fighting for animal rights and a long distance runner. She's a perfect example of how dedication and passion can lead you to achieve greatness. One day, um, I used to cycle to work and back, and that's about 60 miles um, round trip. And I used to call in at the horses to check them on the way home from work. And I came home one night and I called, we got eight horses and seven of them came and one didn't. And that was Oscar, a, a racehorse that we'd been rehabilitating. And I found him impaled on a fence in the, in the field. We nearly lost him. And at that point we decided that this model wasn't working. Animals are such a big part of Yona's life. Together with her partner, she has been rescuing animals for a very long time. But when one of her horses had an accident due to the negligence of a stable owner, Fiona decided that it was time to open a sanctuary and take care of animals in need full time. Well, I, d I still can't believe we actually did it. We only bought a place with a few acres and... and um, 
but it was intended for the animals that we'd already rescued. And from there on, I decided that this is what I want to do. And having my own property meant that I could then take in out larger animals such as pigs and cattle and, you know, the ones that you can't put at livery yards or horse yards. And it grew and grew and grew from there. And um, it's grown into this kind of, we've now got six sites. Um, we've got the original site. We've got the farm that I'm at now. And we've got four four yards in between where horses are and we just it's just grown the need is there I mean we're constantly getting asked to take you know pigs and sheep and and horses and dogs and cats it's just never ending and even when I started running I realized it wasn't the answer it wasn't the solution to the problem it was certainly the solution to each individual animal's plight to be able to rescue them and, and give them a loving home and a secure future but it wasn't the end to the source of the reason that they're coming to the sanctuary or they're needing liberating and that is kind of what people say to me uh, a lot of youngsters will say you know oh it's my dream to have a sanctuary and I say it's my dream to not need to have one oh, you know it's my yeah that's, that's honestly true. it yeah um but yeah we we've got that's Jeffrey, the horse, just whinnying in the background. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got like, uh, I've got like 60 cows. We've got 106 horses. I've got over 100 sheep. We've got 150 pigs. So you can see that it's 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 massive, but it's small in the scale of, of, of animal agriculture. And, um, you know, there's, for every one that we can touch and help physically, there are millions that we can't. And that's why the promotion of veganism became so important to me, to try and encourage others. And, you know, the running has been successful. You know, I've got loads of people that have written to me from around the world that said, you know, um, seeing what you do, you know, it's encouraged me to to um to go plant-based or you know to to explore veganism more more so that's the reason that's my main passion that's what I, I want to do I want to because I, I can only do so much one person can only do so much but a lot of people together can do so much more so I'm not suggesting that everyone go out there and and run marathons all over the world and have an animal sanctuary and do what I've done but I've always been aware that one person doing an awful lot is not probably as effective as a thousand people doing less if you see what I mean oh yeah absolutely and I think uh, there has been you know a huge increase uh, in people who are identifying as vegans in recent years yeah I mean to be honest with you before the coronavirus um, thing it was really really kicking off in the UK it was really really you know the supermarkets were stocking the vegan food and it was really really the word was becoming so much more the hot ticket and people, you know, even if they weren't vegan themselves, they knew somebody who was or, you know, grandparents, grandchildren, you know, it was becoming much, much, much more acceptable. The The sad thing is now that um, it's lost that momentum with this virus coming. It, it, it has lost the momentum. And I noticed that, you know, now, uh, you know, like uh, slaughterhouses are recruiting and farmers are recruiting and saying that, you know, we need to keep Britain in food. And unfortunately, that food has come back a little bit to be kind of animal um, products. And really, that's not what we want to see, especially at this time. Yeah, it's a little bit contradictory because... Uh, the virus originated uh, from animals, basically. It's yeah. just interesting that people 
think that they need to eat more meat <laughs> in this time. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a very, very credible thing. I mean, you know, um, for me, it's, it's a simple equation. You know, these pandemics will, this isn't, even if we find a vaccine to this now, and we've seen the devastation that this is causing, and I've been predicting it. If anybody wants, has heard me talk, I've said, we must not be complacent. We've, be, we've been treading on a tightrope for a long time and just about getting away with it. We've been complacent too long. And coronavirus, there have been several others. There have been MERS and there's been SARS. Um, so, you know, and there will be another. And it's all caused through eating animals. Yes, and probably this pandemic will teach some lessons. We see, of course, some changes already happening in China. But of course, it's a long way to go uh, in changing habits. I just want to go back to your animal sanctuary and to discuss about the animals that you rescue. Can you tell us a little bit How do you rescue these animals? In what conditions? Yeah, I mean, we, we rescue animals. It would be easy to tell you where they don't come from, to be honest with you. So we've had, we get people who, um, for instance, on a smaller scale, you might get someone who's lost their job and can't keep their horse or doesn't want it anymore because it can't be ridden anymore because it's hurt its back or it's it, whatever. That tends to be what equestrian, like the horses come here. With regard to the farm animals, You might get, I mean, one of the most recent rescues was I had a call from the guy who runs um, the local animal sales, you know, like uh, livestock sales. And he asked me if I would consider helping a farmer who was dying and he didn't want his herd of beloved Highland cattle to go to slaughter. And this guy, you were, I was the only person he could think of that might consider helping these huge, huge Highland cows. And I don't know if you're familiar with Highland cows, but they've got enormous horns. Some of the horns are like seven feet across. They're massive. Um, so I took them in, obviously. Um, I've had animals that have escaped from slaughterhouses. Um, I've got animal advocates who want to liberate animals that contact me. Um, just about everywhere and anywhere. Um, I never try to turn anyone away. Even if I can't help that individual animal, I will try and support them or find a solution which doesn't involve that animal losing its life. What you are doing is so, so much needed and it's such an amazing work. Have you ever imagined yourself doing this work and living this life of, you know, being a record holder and a runner and an animal activist? No, no, I honestly didn't. There's never been a real plan in my life in terms of, I mean, I started the knee surgeries when I was only about 13, 14 years old. Um, I knew I wanted to be around animals. I knew that that was something that I would like to do. Um, but I didn't know in what format. Um, I'd never planned any of this. I, I didn't sit down, you know, when I was six years old, like some sort of great Svengali and think to myself, oh, you know, I must have an animal sanctuary and I must um, be a world record holder. And I'm, it was never like that. I, I've just gone, grabbed opportunity where I can and run with it and been grateful for it. Um, so I, I kind of always say with my activism, it's always been very difficult to be active as a vegan especially you know back in the 1970s there were no vegan foods available I mean only the fact that an apple is vegan a potato is vegan there were no 
designated products that you could buy um so it was it's always been creative i've had to be creative with my activism if i can see an opportunity that i think is going to positively benefit the animals i'll grab it and, and go with it it's been spontaneous and i work probably obviously I, I do think about what I do to a certain extent but I work a lot on gut instinct if I think it's right if it's right for me and if I think I can do it nobody's going to tell me I can't and I will go with it and I'm um, the one thing that I probably people ask and um, people have asked how are you getting through this coronavirus thing that's going on how are you coping um I do have an enormous amount of self-discipline there is nothing on this planet that anyone could tempt me with that I want badly enough to turn away from my cause and my passion, and that is for the animals. And there will no length that I won't stop at to do what I know needs doing whilst I can do it for them. And the self-discipline that I've got, I think probably that's the most impressive thing about my running. I've motivated myself. I've never had anyone around me. Everything I've done... I've done on my own with my own conviction and my own self-discipline um, and I'm looking I'm looking for that I don't find self-motivation a problem um, it's it's I do it for them and I I'm around the animals I see them all the time I know the reason I care for the reason that I'm doing it um, so yeah I'm blessed in that respect. I find your story really inspiring because not only because, you know, you uh, managed to run marathons while being injured, but that you found your passion. What kind of advice would you give to people who are maybe struggling with injuries or physical disabilities, or maybe they cannot find their path? What would you tell them? Well, I would say the only true diagnosis is what your body actually tells you. You know, a doctor can tell you things, but, you know, to a doctor, you are just a number. You are just a, 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 a they, they don't know the individual person. Like they didn't know the individual Fiona when they told me I would probably, probably, probably in a lot of scenarios, a lot of people probably wouldn't try and run with what I've got, you know, my condition. I would say be sensible, but set your goals at a reasonable level and go out and see for yourself. And if you can't do it the first time, don't give up. Try and find another way. I mean, obviously, don't set out. If you've been told you can't run, don't set out and try to run a marathon. But see if you can run, walk. You know, set gentle goals, not unattainable targets, and never give up. There will be something out there that you can do. You've just got to find it. Fiona Oaks, a multiple record holder, long-distance runner, and a very passionate animal advocate. It was such a pleasure to have her on the I Bounce Back podcast. For more information about Fiona, visit our website iBounceBack.net. You will find there a blog post about her with all the links to her social media accounts. If anybody writes to me, I always write back. And, there's, you know, if anybody wants advice with the running, if they're concerned about transitioning to veganism, you know, I'm always willing to help people. That's it for today. We will be back with another very inspiring story in two weeks. I really thought that I was going to change Nigeria. I wanted to fight for something that I felt nobody was fighting for. Not until I started receiving attacks towards my life that I realized that Nigeria might not be the place that I have to be. Tune in to the I Bounce Back podcast on Wednesday, June 3rd. 
you can find us and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or on our website, ibounceback.net. And I promise in two weeks, you will hear a very interesting story about a decision to fight for your right to be who you want to be. I'll see you in two weeks. Ciao.